All right. All right. Yeah. Uh, You guys want to start the show? Let's start the show. Welcome to Saturday Morning Serial, and happy belated May the 4th be with you. Uh, it's me, Dan Grimshay, uh, bringing you all kinds of great Saturday Morning Serial content, which, surprise, surprise, today is all about Star Wars. And I mean all about all Star Wars. Pew, 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 pew. And uh, shooting laser blasts and having a good time, of course, are my old buddies from prison. Uh, step up, Marky. Tell the people about yourself. Hello, everybody. Happy belated Star Wars Day. That's all they may need the, to know. May the fourth with you. And uh, Jimmy the Gent Lazinski, can you pop up? Hey, howdy. Hey, listeners. And uh, uh, unfortunately, we do not have Johnny Heck with us, and it's a shame because he's uh, he's one of our big Star Wars aficionados. But I think we can muddle through this. I've heard of this property. It's a little Disney uh, series of cartoons and shorts or something. What is it, Marky? Yeah, that's that's kind of what it is. Student projects, passion films. <laughs> Some indie projects that real had, uh, art house stuff, right? It's got a cult fiction. following. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh teams of thousands of artists get together to make this little movie and whatnot. That's adorable. I'm glad they're able to do that, even if nobody sees it. But yes, mm. yes, we're having a lot of fun, but we're uh it's Star Wars. <laughs> Aren't we though? Aren't we though? <laughs> <laughs> and it is uh we know you're listening to this not on May the fourth. But we couldn't even get into this topic until we at least saw the final episode of The Clone Wars on Disney+. Plus. So now that we've all watched it, let's yeah. talk Clone Wars. Because now it's officially over, and we happen to know where the movies and subsequent other cartoons pick it up from. So it's filled in all that gap now. Yeah, and I think it's also important to point out that we have some pretty incredible guests on this particular episode. Yes, we're talking to people. We are Random talking to strangers. People. So Who? It's not just us, but uh, we actually have. We're going to have a little bit of surprise audio. I don't know if you guys are even aware of this, but I recorded a quick conversation. Counselor, I don't like surprises in my pod court. <laughs> I recorded a quick I'll conversation. Allow it. With my nephew Alex, because he's nephew. since 
Yeah, since he was five years old, he's been watching Star Wars. I have a little bit to do with it. Um, and, <laughs> you know, he's 15 now. He grew up in the Clone Wars era, and I thought it was an interesting perspective coming from him. Um, so we're going to bring you a little bit of sound from that. Uh, we also talked to Talking Like Jar Jar, Mike. This guy loved Jar Jar Binks so much. Wanted He put himself on the mission. He collected every known Gungan phrase, put it in a database, and now we all can talk like Jar Jar Binks. I remember, um, Mike. Yeah, he's got yeah. a translator up if you ever need to know how yeah. Jar Jar would say your speech. Right. It's talkinglikejarjarday.com, I believe is what the website is, but we'll get more from him later. And But the big super guest of probably the year has to be we back in July of 2019 uh, for the lead up to Comic-Con, we actually God, had a one on like years ago. Yeah, it's uh, five years ago in July of 2019. Uh, <laughs> we. <laughs> We talked to Ashley Eckstein. This was a one-on-one phone interview, and we did release about five minutes of this interview for our Comic-Con preview show back in July of 2019. But the rest of this interview, so about 15 minutes of it, you guys have never heard before where we talk Clone Wars, the uh, the, the the power of fashion and uh, just how great it is to be a geek today. Mark, so, Mark, I believe I know, but maybe refresh the listeners why why she would be po- for this podcast. Yeah, well, <laughs> Ash- Ashley well, Eckstein uh, of Tatooine of the yeah, Tatooine Eckstein's. This is okay. So Ashley Eckstein is the voice of Ahsoka Tano, the most oh. popular character in Star Wars today, um. and it was like we were. We were sitting on this audio and we're like, let's release it in December for the Rise of Skywalker. And then there just wasn't the right time. And it's like, well, let's let's release it yeah. before the Clone Wars Turns season out, seven. Ahsoka and, wasn't in the yeah. last movie of the trilogy. So we we're like, Ooh, good thing we didn't jump the gun there. Well, she actually kind of was her. You know, she does show up at the end there. That's uh, true. But Ash, yeah. Ashley Eckstein. As yeah, a matter she's of actually. Yeah, she actually voiced the character for that last montage of Jedi. Um, well, now and, I look like an idiot. No, it's fine. This is a this is a common mistake. It's all right. Oh, this is podcast. Nobody can see you, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> and and nobody's accountable to nothing. Um, and so <laughs> and so we were like, let's maybe let's release this before the Clone Wars starts up again in season seven. And and again, it's just it was like, well, if we're going to talk Clone Wars, shouldn't we talk about all Clone Wars, right? So we decided to sit on this another couple of months and this was a this was this was hard to sit on this audio for this long and it's almost ready and it's it's ready it's cooked (laughs) you know the little the little popper thing popped out of this (laughs) yeah (laughs) so we look forward to bringing this to you guys but uh yeah let's talk clone wars a little bit all right buddy talk clone wars i dare you okay where should i start how how about this how about this well Uh, for the uninitiated put Clone Wars into the timeline first. What what happens during this seven-season series? Yeah, so if you looked at it uh, in the timeline of the Skywalker saga, which includes all nine films, this takes place right after Episode 2, Attack of the Clones, and before and leading up to, and as we found out, overlap, 
Revenge of the Sith. So this fills that gap, which is about a, I think it's a four year timeline is. And they pack that into, and and I will, I'm not going to give away spoilers, but I have a feeling we'll get to that territory soon enough. But the overlap is not long. It's not yeah. like the last three of the seven seasons were actually going on at the same time. They packed seven seasons in between these two movies. Testament they, to how many stories, and this is George Lucas who helped do the whole show. So it's a testament to how many stories he wants to tell in the Star Wars universe. Yeah, even in this in this final uh, season, he was still given a created by credit. He started the Clone Wars back in 2009. Uh, and this is not to be confused with Clone Wars, which was the Gendi Tartakovsky um, uh, serial shorts that they put out on the Cartoon Network, you know, back in 2004. Yeah. In fact, hell, let's just let's acknowledge it at least. There was a Clone Wars motion picture. Then there were yep. Clone War. No, there were Clone Wars short, right? Film sort of. Mini, yes. like little montage, like little, adult uh, swim style, mini, almost little, artistic animated vignettes. Vignettes, I love that word. That's what I was looking for. Vignettes. And then, yes. and then there was a Clone Wars animated motion picture. Yes, which was, which is a part of this timeline. Which was and this the computer animated, like Dave right. Filoni one. Yes, which, which were, continued into um, the show. They were inspired by Thunderbirds. You guys remember that that Marinette's show, Thunderbirds? Oh, Is this yeah. Jimmy, do you remember that? Go. Yeah. Yes. So, Anderson, uh, Gary Anderson production. Yes. Yep. And so uh, Lucas wanted to put together this show, and he wanted to make them, he wanted to make it look like they were Marinette's. And he was inspired by the Thunderbirds show. And so that was going to be the animation style. I wish that guy would just have an original idea. He doesn't. No, he steals everything, but he does it better than anybody. And um, (laughs) the Jack Sparrow pop culture. But you know he, you know he lives in a world of pop. You know, a pulp. I'm sorry. And this is a big part of it. You know this this was this was a very popular style, like in the 50s. You know, um, and that's what he was going for. And so he got this team together. He discovered Dave Filoni, who was working on over at the Cartoon Network, I believe. No, he was at Nickelodeon, and he was working on Avatar. Oh, oh, yeah. And so the he first Airbender that, or the last Airbender? I don't know. I don't I don't know enough about it, but he ended up discovering him there and he was like, this is the style that I want. And Dave was just like, I don't know how to do computer animation, (laughs) but he ended up learning, obviously. And Dave Filoni is still a part of it. And they ended up mapping out the first season and they ended up taking like a chunk of the middle and they made it into a motion picture that they released in the theaters. And I went, I, I was visiting a friend in Austin. So this was the first and only movie that I ever saw at an Alamo draft house. (laughs) So I will always remember this for that other reason too. Jot that down in your marquee trivia books at home. Yeah. Just random useless information. And so they ended up kind of packaging up a series uh, of these, like a a arc, which basically turns out to be 
the introduction of Ahsoka Tano, that's the arc that they that they made into a movie. And they got Samuel L. Jackson to reprise his role as Mace Windu. They got Christopher Lee to reprise his his role as Count Dooku. So these were these were voiced by the uh, by the original actors. Now they would both be replaced by other actors for the rest of the series, but in the Clone Wars movie, you get the real deal. You get pure mace. You know, you get Samuel Jackson in this sucker. <laughs> you and, get a big steaming Dooku on your chest. <laughs> yeah, and it's just it turns out like, um, and this is where it gets really funny because. I did not receive Clone Wars very favorably back then. And um like I have the, had, when you were at the Alamo Draft House, you like uh, when you, I, you didn't enjoy the movie. Yes. Uh, um now it has nothing to do with its quality cuz it is very well done. My original thought coming out of watching the Clone Wars movie was that this is a story that doesn't need to be told. Like, why do we just, why is this, why are they showing us this? You know, like, I just felt like it was watering down Star Wars. You you weren't an Ahsoka head back then, clearly. No, and, and, and she was, um, she was a annoying character at first. And everybody, I'm not the only one that thinks this, you know, and she. Well, that makes it okay. She does a lot of growing in the series, and it's kind of cool to see a, a a animated feature, a cartoon with characters that that mature. Because like if real guys, marionettes. Yeah, if you guys look, uh, if you go back and you Google different, uh, you know, Ahsoka images, you'll see a progression in the way that she's drawn, and she, you know, she does a lot of aging in those four years, and even leading up into Rebels, which she ends up coming coming back for this series, which started off on the wrong foot in the way that I received it, not in the way that it was presented, but the way that I received it, it worked out pretty well for Dave Filoni. Yeah, it but this this show um I think what changed everything around for me watching cuz I still watched it cuz I love Star Wars and I I consume it all um was the second season introduces a still adolescent Boba Fett and that changed everything. I was barely hanging on to this show and they introduce a young Boba Fett and he was and the way that they introduce him is that, you know, because he, he is a a clone and he ends up um, as a stowaway on a Republic um, ship and he blends in with some of the other clone recruits like the young clones because he's he's one of them and he makes an assassination attempt on Mace Windu because Mace Windu cut his father's head off. He cut Django's head off. And I'm like, whoa, this show is going to cover ground. You know, my original problem with the Clone Wars was that this doesn't need to be told. <laughs> I don't need to know these stories. Well, starting in season two was really the first time where I started to see the stories that did need to be told. And it grew from there. Um, I absolutely love this show. And I think we should cover some of the essential arcs uh, 
so that you guys don't if you you know if you don't want to invest the time to see it all that's fine i want to give you guys uh some essential arcs to kind of catch you up on some of the best of clone wars ooh wait tell us <laughs> give us a recap what are these arcs what do we need to know for the mythology uh well i'm going to do my best on that but do the voices you, too uh mortis trilogy starts off with uh, Anakin and Obi-Wan Kenobi, they are in their capital ship and it ends up being um, damaged in some way. And they end up having to uh, uh, space jump, uh, hyperspace jump. And they kind of end up on this kind of very strange and what turns out to be a very mystical planet. And it's Obi-Wan and it's Anakin Skywalker. And they come across these three entities. Oh, that... Anakin, I don't want to land here. It smells like incense on this mystic planet. <laughs> you kind of sound like Stewie there. Um, <laughs> that's and... that's going to be my Obi-Wan from now on. <laughs> suck so, it up. Uh... All right. So, what, so they find three mystical people on a mystical planet? Yes. And it turns out that it's... Uh, they are only given the names the the father, daughter, and son, and the father represents the balance. The son represents the dark, and the daughter represents the light. And, uh, and the name a lot of, of the stuff... planet was uh, uh, Mortis. Mortis, or no, it was Freshman College Archetype One Hundred One, right? Was it? <laughs> Oh, oh! I see. You're making a joke. I am. I took a stab at it, but well, then, yeah. So very clearly, they're setting the stage. Like, hey, this is a parable almost. This is about questioning the prophecy that Anakin Skywalker is the chosen one, and what that means. Yeah, as I and, recall, it's specifically that he brings balance to the Force. Nobody ever yeah. said he's going to defeat all the bad guys. Right. It's basically, it's a confrontation to what that means. The father wants Anakin to take his place, to be the balance and to stay on Mortis. And uh, Anakin has a choice. He sees a vision of himself as Darth Vader. As Anakin's going through his trial, Obi-Wan Kenobi is also going through something. And I believe that's where um, he ends up talking to Qui-Gon Jinn. They're both on this planet, and they both kind of have to go through it. It's like it might as well have been a fever dream. Yes. Because that's none they were of on those the characters island, right? ever existed before or ever referred to again. And as far right. as we know, because they somehow magically went to a planet they can't prove exists. And then went through this weird ordeal where he learns exactly what it means to be the balance of the Force. And then suddenly, like, they essentially escape and or wake up, like, back at home. Like, was that real? Well, and they end up erasing his memory of it, too. To so, just, just to yeah. really trope underline it. <laughs> so, yeah, it. it's, it's heavy-handed in that way. So I kind of get it. Like, mm -hmm. if you're trying to get into Star Wars, maybe this one's a little so so on the nose. Like, you can't see the forest for the trees. But it is definitely if you already know and understand the the whole you know myth behind the Anakin change, then this definitely helps flesh it out a lot. Yeah, I think it's um, I think it's also uh, 
It's also healthy to to raise questions when you're trying to figure out all this force stuff, you know, and um, what the what the Mortis trilogy does probably better than any of the other arcs next to the Yoda arc, which we're going to talk about uh, here soon as well, is that it makes you question a lot of your understanding about what happened to Anakin Skywalker going and becoming Darth Vader and the redemption of him later and what that means. You know, what does bringing balance to the force mean? And I think the Mortis trilogy is a trippy look at all of that. And it's, it's, it's an exceptional arc. So definitely um, check that out. Now tell me about this Yoda trilogy or arc. Yeah. Tell me about that one real quick. The Yoda arc is the very last um, arc, the very last set of episodes before the first cancellation. So uh, season seven was a surprise. It came, you know, we just finished with that season now. But that season shouldn't have happened. It wasn't going to happen. It took about seven years for it to come out or five years. And the it's it's the Deadwood movie of the Cold yes. Wars universe. Nobody yeah, saw it coming. Suddenly it was a treat and it gave you something. But, yeah, this has been a troubled show from the beginning. They ended up having these episodes finished and it got canceled on the Cartoon Network. And then so they ended up sitting on these episodes for a couple of years, and then they got released on Netflix. And that's where I saw them. And the, the Netflix episode season seven. Correct. Yeah, this is before. And so the Yoda arc was the most famous of that because this is where, as Jimmy alluded to earlier, uh, Liam Neeson reprises his role as Qui-Gon Jinn. He comes to Yoda in a vision and he's and this is where you start to understand, because the one thing that the movies do not explain at all is what happens when Darth Vader strikes at Obi-Wan Kenobi in uh, in A New Hope, because Obi-Wan just disappears. Right. And then we see Yoda disappear and then in the sequel trilogy, we see Luke disappear. We see Leia disappear. Spoiler alert. Um, and then we see Kylo every Ren disappear. Every single one of those was a spoiler. Yeah, every single one of them. Yeah. And, um, and what the Yoda arc starts to do is it starts to give you a little backstory as to, you know, why do some Jedi disappear? What was the big deal about that? <laughs> and, it, and it also places... Uh, Yoda on Dagobah and it goes a long way to explain that tree cave where Luke has his vision um, it does a lot of that lifting for us including finally explaining just who the heck Sifo-Dyas was I don't know if you guys remember this but in episode 2 Attack of the Clones when Obi-Wan Kenobi goes to the clone planet of Kamino he finds out that the clone army uh, was actually started by a former Jedi by the name of Sifo-Dyas and you know it's a name that definitely rings uh, in every Star Wars fan's head because they never explained who sifo was. Even in Episode 3, The Revenge of the Sith, they never address who sifo was at all. It's one of the biggest unanswered questions, you know, coming out of uh, watching Episode 3. Well, 
the Clone Wars and in the Yoda arc, it finally addresses just who this guy was, what his motivations were, and what his emotional state was. And it gives you another example of the Clone Wars giving us a story that needs to be told. And you you won't see any Ahsoka Tano in the Yoda arc because by the time you get to the end of season six and the lost episodes, uh, you had already gone through the Ahsoka's exit arc. And so she's not involved at all with this Yoda arc, but the Ahsoka exit arc is a big one. This was the last arc that we saw when it was first canceled. So as far as we knew at the time, the very last image that we saw of Ahsoka Tano was her walking away from the Jedi Order, like walking into the sunset. It was quite literally her walking into the sunset. It is a key arc. Um, I don't want to give away too much there. Other Now, <laughs> the, the title of the arc kind of gives away the end there, but this is a series that really ties into The Last Jedi and what Luke Skywalker was kind of going through and the questioning of the Jedi Order, you know, and and what he did, you know, because Luke turns his back on the Jedi Order. Ahsoka turned her back on the Jedi Order. And there's some justification in in both cases. There's also a really cool facet of Ahsoka's arc is that each episode title is a reference to an Alfred Hitchcock movie. So um, if you guys start to look at the individual titles, you guys can see what, you know, what Dave Filoni and what George Lucas were 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 kind of doing there. So um, really Alfred Hitchcock. Awesome. Yeah. It's again, they steal from the best. Classy spot to do Uh, it. Yeah. And uh, you guys are going to hear a little bit about the Ahsoka arc uh, with um, when I talk to my nephew, Alex. And I think uh, this is a pretty good time to, you know, you got that magic interview machine firing up. You want to bring the magic interview machine so that we can all talk to uh, your nephew, Alex E., who's going to really school us. Marky, what are the odds that you uh, talk to your nephew? Uh, 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 10 out of 10. I Never promise you all that. one thing. If it exists, the Magic Interview Machine will find it. Magic Interview Machine, prove me right. Meanwhile, one of my all-time favorite arcs that I just can never stop watching is the Umbara arc. That one was just my favorite. I really liked the way that the animation was. I really just liked the story. I liked, I honestly just liked Rex. I was obsessed with Captain Rex. So mm-hmm. I see him, Fives, and all those people, all those 501st clones. Like, that That was just awesome for me. Uh, can then, you tell me a little bit about, about what that arc did? Or, like, uh, tell us about the story about that particular yeah. arc. So I think that one was widely considered as, like, the Vietnam of the Clone Wars because you see at the beginning there's a ton of clone troopers on board those, um, I don't know, what are they called, Star Destroyers, Carriers? Yeah. Something. Mm-hmm. The Venators, yeah, the Venators. There's a ton of clones aboard the Venators, and it's nighttime, and then you see – General Skywalker, and they're all getting on those gunships, 
and then it just like starts raining gunships all of a sudden down on that planet. You don't know what's happening. And then they just deploy all the 501st and they're like, all right, well, what's happening? And then you just see the Umbaran militia start opening fire and like all of a sudden you're just in this all out war. And I'm like, oh boy, here we go. Yep. And that four story arc had multiple like sub stories within the main story. Like you had the general Krell, you had the dogma, you had the top, like you had all these side stories. You had hard case, like you met all these characters that you had never seen before. And they all had a story within the story. And I kind of liked how it was all action based. Like there wasn't really any slow moments. It was all kind of intense and it just kind of displayed the Clone Wars in a way. Like, that was a war, and it was just kind of, I don't know, awesome to see, like, clone troopers and their vehicles marching down streets of Umbara, taking down the Umbaran militia, and then, like, there's all these plot twists with Krell being a Sith, and that one part when the clone troopers are fighting each other without knowing. I just really liked the way they put those four episodes together. Mm-hmm. Is, uh, is, is Krell that kind of insect uh, looking guy, the one that we saw in the, the season um, seven? Uh, he I'm was trying to remember which one. The Krell was the one in the, the Umbara arc. He's kind of a frog guy. He had like yeah, he's the guy that looks like Dex from the diner. Yeah, um, yeah. From from Attack of the Clones. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know what? And um, I'm so glad that you brought up this particular arc because um, for those of you that haven't seen this, um, isn't this? Well, we're gonna we're we're gonna spoil it for you. <laughs> Isn't this one of the <laughs> cases where one of the Jedi basically turns on his own? Right. This is that uh, that's what Krell is, correct? Krell. So yeah, he was kind of playing um, spy. He was a mm-hmm. Jedi spy that was secretly a Sith, or he worked for Count Dooku. He was Force sensitive mm-hmm. on the dark side, but he was spying on the Jedi and the clones, and he was commissioned to the Battle of Umbara because General Skywalker was ordered elsewhere by the Chancellor. So Krell took over the operation leading the 501st, and Rex had mixed opinions about Krell and his uh-huh. actions because most of Krell's actions got his brothers killed, and obviously Rex is very attached to his brothers, so he doesn't like just kind of being disposed of for battle purposes. He wants the least amount of casualties as possible. But yeah, during that whole arc, they eventually find out that Corral plotted a a plan where the 212th, which is the orange clone troopers, and he told the 501st that the Umbaran militia was wearing the 212th clone armor. So the 501st thought that the 212th was the enemy, and they just kind of started fighting each other because the 212 was under the impression that the 501st were um, <laughs> wearing the militia. So like it was just kind of like, wait, what's happening? And then they found out that Krell um, was the one who ordered both 
he secretly ordered both battalions to attack each other. And at that point, the clone troopers both realized who the enemy was. So this is one of the episodes where you see the two 12th and 501st team up, and they um, go and arrest Krell, or they at least attempt to. And unfortunately, that's when um, Waxer died, too. And that's when uh-huh. he kind of realized, like, it's a serious arc. People are, like, starting to die. You see that with Hard Case. And I don't know. I just really liked the way that that arc played out. Yeah, I think you summed it up perfectly. Uh, and, you know, when you're um, – I kind of had this feeling when I was watching the Rogue One movie was all these people that we're seeing right now are probably going to die. I, I, I remember yeah. thinking that going into the movie, you know, because they're not around anymore, right? Um, exactly. Now we know that we know that Rex survives thanks to Rebels, so you know we don't have that kind of dread. Um, you know, I, you know it still yeah. has yet to be seen. You know, I don't think that Rex was a part of the attack on the Jedi Temple that we see Anakin and the Five Hundred First in um, Episode Three. I think that something's going to go down before then. I think that it's going to be expressed in this season. Um, how. However, what I do like about this show is that the stakes are real. And I, and just like yeah. for the same reasons why you like this story arc, um, it's that, you know, clones do die, you know, and, and clones, clones yeah. are made and they're expendable and it's a sad thing. And it, it kind of leads to, you know, one of the reasons why uh, Luke, Luke Skywalker was so, against the Jedi order was that they were leading this kind of unethical war machine. <laughs> um, and, yeah. you know, this is this kind of straddling between human and non-human and uh, this, this disposable human. Um, and that, that arc does highlight that these are real stakes and these are real people. And, you know, I think that that's the one, you know, that's one of the legacies that the clone wars is really going to leave behind is that, you know, let's establish that these are not just other types of like, these aren't just meat machines, (laughs) you know, these are actual humans and they have feelings and thoughts and, and they're afraid. And, you know, um, now, the one thing that I don't hear a lot about um, coming from you and where your fandom kind of comes from is that um, I haven't heard a lot about the Jedi. And I, I haven't heard about, you know, one in particular, um, Ahsoka Tano. And what does that character mean to you? And um, Oh, I think she's awesome. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about your experiences with her. Um, you know, we did we did get the chance to interview Ashley Eckstein. Um, yeah. You're going to be able to, you know, uh, you're going to be able to hear that interview with her. Um, and it was a huge honor for us to, you know, to speak with her um, yeah. because we're just huge fans of Ahsoka Tano. So what do you, what do you think about that character? Um, you know, from the yeah. beginning first movie and to where she kind of ends up. So, all right, yeah, the first two seasons, and I include this, the movie, that was a, the first movie, mm-hmm. the first season, 
just kind of around there, those early ages of the Clone Wars, I thought that she was honestly kind of annoying. Like, <laughs> yeah. I just thought she was kind of like side character annoying, snip, snippy, which is, I'm sh- sure, why well, she got snips. the name Snips. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's snippy and annoying, and I was just like, okay, whatever, you're just kind of annoying. And then I think it around season three, and I believe that's when the Citadel arc was, that two episodes, mm-hmm. four, three, I don't know. It was like the one where they had to save Master Peel. Um, she started getting more of a crucial role, in my opinion, and like she kind of became more important to me because she was starting to mature a little more, I'd say, and she was kind of becoming more of an actual like Jedi Knight type of a Jedi, like Mm-hmm. I just found more, like, appeal in seeing her. And then I think season four was that kind of Moncala Mari or whatever mm-hmm. arc, the underwater. I thought that was cool, seeing Ahsoka underwater helping. And she just started getting more and more attached, I guess you could say. And she became more of a important character to me just because of how powerful she was getting she was getting like she was becoming one of the most powerful jedis in my opinion because i don't know she just started connecting with the force more Mm -hmm. and i started watching rebels after she had left the order and it came as a big shock to me to see her in rebels and i just kind of like was even more excited that she was back because like I was honestly kind of sad that she left, and I I believe that was around fifth grade. So, like, I was just kind of sad because that was, like, my favorite show at the time. And it just ended there, so I didn't know what to really, like, do. Mm -hmm. And then she comes back in Rebels, and I just kind of, like, was excited because it brought a little bit back of the Clone Wars. So it was nice to see her. And then, like... She meets up with Darth Vader, which is her master, and she just has really good character development, and I like right. the way her character became. So I think that annoyance and that snippy part of her in the early ages contributed to her character development, which now I can see the bigger picture, and I just really like how she'll end up coming back again. And I don't know how like it's going to be seeing her dealing with Order 66 alongside Captain Rex. I don't know, like, Rex made a whole division for her, as you saw in the trailer. Yeah, with those, those awesome orange on. helmets. Oh, man, yeah. they're so pretty. I'm so excited <laughs> yeah. to see that. The excitement, the adventure of a new force at breakfast. We'll call them C-3PO's. New C-3PO cereal from Kellogg's. Twin rings plays together. Two crunches in every double O. A delicious part of this nutritious breakfast. Now you can experience the taste of Kellogg's C3PO. A crunchy new force at breakfast. May the force be with you. A <laughs> crunchy new force. A crunchy new force. It, uh, and I don't care how new and crunchy you make the force, it's still no match for a good old-fashioned blaster at your side. Oh, that is very true, Han Solo. You're yeah. the best. Hokey space <laughs> cereals. You know, I I get the feeling, I don't know what it is, but I think Han Solo likes pancakes. I don't know why. I think pancakes and bacon 
See that's like a, a pancake Schultz. guy. Like it, it has to be bacon. It has to be maple. You yeah. know, yep, yeah. made with real blue buttermilk. <laughs> oh yeah, baby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you guys just heard from my nephew Alex. Alex E. We'll call him. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad that you made up his first name too. <laughs> totally shield your nephew from the internet. But, man, he knows a lot about Star Wars. And you guys, uh, I, I forgot to mention on the lead up is that we actually covered his favorite arc, which was the Undara arc. Um, and I thought that was great because it's not something that I, you know, thought of and remembered. But after talking to Alex about it, I found out that, hey, this is a yeah, you're right. This is a really good arc. It 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 gets into uh like the the real psychology of the clones and you know that that they suffer loss and that they suffer pain and um it's pretty cool they also introduce the and the... i will say especially you know to his credit to point out this generational difference those are philosophical questions that never even got close to coming up in the first trilogy when we were his age the whole Star Wars universe implied something about clones. There was no... We never had to worry about stuff like that. This kid has a totally different Star Wars from me, I think. Yeah. Isn't that great? You know, and as we look ahead to the end of this particular episode when we talk to Mike about uh, Jar Jar, it is a real generational difference. We all have our Star Wars, uh, to be a little possessive about it. You know, ours is Luke and Leia and Han and the Death Stars. You know, that's our Star Wars. But there there are there are kids right now where their Star Wars is Ray and Kylo and Porgs, you know. <laughs> There's and, plenty of kids you know, who are probably just over the moon for Star Wars who've never even seen A New Hope. Right. And I've and got to accept that. If the first movie that you saw was The Force Awakens, think of how cool Revenge of the Sith is going to be to you. You know, think of how cool The Clone Wars is going to be to you. Uh, you know, if you, I hate to you're that age, assume you know? that. Because actually, well, it's I, hard yeah. for me to go from like watching even one of the prequels to then jumping back to A New Hope. And it's like, okay, even if I'm giving it the. It it was made in 1976, Forgiveness. Man, some of it, it's not its fault because no movies would look like they do today if it wasn't for that movie. But yeah. you could see that they were kind of pushing in the dark against the wall. Yeah. To, to make yeah, something new. So to go back after this much time. So I don't know if kids are going to be as forgiving of that. Because you know, in my mind, to... kids today are monsters. <laughs> yeah, I could see that too. You know, but there I remember I think this I think this was actually a quote from George Lucas himself, from the maker himself. And I'm I, I don't know the exact quote, but it's something to the effect of is it more believable to see a guy in a mask or to see a CGI guy, right? Like it's like there's a certain amount of you have to put in the believability yourself as the viewer. Yeah. Do, do so, you want him to look uh, cheap or creepy? Because he's not going to look realistic. Right. I think that if you're a kid, you know, watching a cartoon is just as real as watching A New Hope or The Last Jedi or anything. Like, oh, it doesn't well, nowadays, matter. Because, for sure. 
Yeah, because you're because, you know, you're just going to suspend reality and get into the story and, and it's, it's going to captivate you. And maybe that is also why uh, the Clone Wars might have just been playing a, a long Palpatine game from the beginning. They're like quick before the last generation gives up on cartoons uh, and they're just starting to have kids. Let's put out a cartoon that is perfect for both of them. So that the parents force it on the kids. <laughs> yeah. And now well, the kids. And, uh, I mean, uh, I don't know if they did that consciously, but I, I have a feeling sociologically that's more or less the way it works. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I'm sure that there's a little bit of that. But there was another quote that I'm going to put on Lucas, even though I can't remember the exact words, <laughs> was that uh he he always knew that this story was beyond just his ability to produce it and that it was going to take a lot of people to write and create stories within the Star Wars universe. You know, this was always his plan. Yep. You know, it was like he was it was never he was never going to be able to do it himself. Yeah. And there were, and I remember so, there were shelves of of like kind of official Star Wars novels years before they were talking about yeah. the prequels. We kind of all right. assumed that was the only way Star Wars was going forward. And I've read a lot of them. Yeah. I remember taking them over to your house and say, hey, read this one. Yes. <laughs> mostly know? because Mikey yes. is very insistent. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. And, uh, you know, it's it's a beautiful thing, you know, like the to kind of have all these people, uh, what's the phrase? They're playing in the sandbox, you know, all these people playing in the sandbox with them. And um, so I think that. Which incidentally you know, in 2020, we do not recommend. Yeah. Do not play in the sandbox. Stay in yeah. your own sandbox. <laughs> That's so sad. Uh, but yeah, so Alex was of that age. And, you know, when I would see him, like when I, like, uh, when I would go home for the holidays or something, I would see Alex and his brother and his sister and uh, and I would see them about once a year, maybe twice a year, maybe it's it was rare, but it was <laughs> After you it was to cool. talk Star Wars. You're going there every couple months now, huh? Yeah, well, it was it was just cool because um, they were already kind of into it, you know, but I think. Having a adult that was, you know, me, like, as I, because I was really into it, and, you know, like they could, uh, Before I remember they smelled the sad desperation on you. <laughs> they thought, I, hey, this is cool. <laughs> when I was a kids kid, are dumb. When I was a kid, I used to be so excited talking to adults, right? Like when you're having. <laughs> Deep philosophical conversations to adults about like, Oscar it, the Grouch, or they're like, "Yeah, I know who that is." <laughs> like, oh, thank you, finally, someone can I can really, talk to. Yeah, and we could really get into this thing. And you know, I uh, I took a lot. Uh, like, I really liked nurturing that fandom within these guys. You know, and um, as it turns out, like again, that was Sidious's plan all along. Yeah. Exactly. And um, like he doesn't share my specific favorites within the Star Wars universe. He has all his own, you know, as you heard in that in that interview with him or in that conversation with him, like, 
you know, he's really into the clones, you know, he's really into Rex. He's really into that part of it. It's really cool to see, you know, and uh, I was really glad to like kind of see that to kind of live Star Wars again through him. I thought was really cool. And I have Still, nieces in right- my mind and I, I know he, he probably wouldn't even remember if it was true. But in my mind, I picture a decade ago, he's five years old and he comes running up to you. Uncle Marky, Uncle Marky. Yeah. Look at my SpongeBob. And you probably looked at it and said, oh, SpongeBob have a laser gun? Does he fly an (laughs) X-Wing? No? Does he have a lightsaber? All right, kid. I'll see you next Christmas. Yeah. Get out. (laughs) Close the bathroom door on your way out. (laughs) Spoken like a true father. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and now uh, I have nieces. Now, my, uh, my oldest niece is... I think she's like 12, 13, maybe. But um, I have a couple of younger nieces also that are really into Star Wars. And that's been the great part about this sequel trilogy with the introduction of Rey, this newfound appreciation for Leia, even though it was kind of latent, it was always kind of there. And this incredible character called Ahsoka, because now my nieces are just as into it as I was when I was a kid and how, and as much as Alex was when he was a kid, you know, Alex is 15 now, you know, but now my nieces, they have their own heroes within the star Wars world. And Ahsoka Tano is a huge part of that. And, uh, I just can't believe that we got a chance to talk to Ashley Eckstein. It's, it's amazing to me that we got a chance to do this. And so, <laughs> you know what? Um, Quick aside, true story. My nieces, my sister's uh-huh. kids, uh, named their minivan Ahsoka. Oh, they did? This was not the one they have now. Now I believe it's named Shadow for some reason. No, they um, say it's a, something to do with it, but they tried to break it down for me a few years ago. No, I like, think they named years it the ago. Ghost. The ghost, that's it. Yeah, yes. which is from Star Wars Rebels, which is piloted by Hera, which is another strong female Star Wars character. <laughs> that's actually, that yeah. makes sense because that's the name my sister has to use when she drives it. She has to say oh, the ghost? All, yeah, the one they have now, like her name is Hera. They, they had, the, when they were visiting the last time and I got to drive it, they told me I had to pick a uh, Star Wars name to be the driver ah. of it. I went with Dash Rendar, blew all their minds, by the way. Oh, you so would get I had killed. to teach them something new to learn. And under my breath, I referred to uh, the Miniman as the Outrider. But oh, that's, wow. that's, again, something special to my generation, you kids I out believe there. That, but that's, I believe that the, the Outrider was one of the ships in the Lando Calrissian fleet at the end of The Rise of Skywalker. Just a little FYI for you. I think I heard the, it's there. the Planet Express from Futurama was, too. So the, it, was a, it was a crowded field. <laughs> um, yeah, Jimmy, we actually got a chance to to speak with the voice of Hera back for the um, uh, Red Superman. Well, shit, Magic Interview Machine, take us No, over. no, we, were, oh, we sure did. Oh, sorry, sorry. Magic <laughs> Interview Machine, back up. I got excited. <laughs> Yeah, we ended up talking to Hera, uh, Vanessa Marshall, back when we did uh, Red Superman. Uh, why can I not remember the title of that movie? 
Superman. Red Sun. Red Sun. Red Sun. <laughs> and yeah. before Sorry, we I, get... I didn't mean to take us too far off, but I want to point out, yeah, in my niece and nephew line as well, there is a deep, almost like cult-like devotion to Star Wars, but turns out it comes from the Clone Wars and Rebels. That's their Star Wars. And I'll be honest, I probably, even when they were saying, you should watch Clone Wars, I was like, yeah, see you next Christmas, kid. Uh, (laughs) But then you had me start watching it. It was perfect timing because it was right when the lockdown began. You gave us this homework, and I watched so much Clone Wars. Uh, Admittedly, I have been going through, like, a season of some show or another a day lately. So it's buried down there now. But now, but after watching the finale, now I feel like I have to watch Rebels because I know all of these characters and storylines are picked up again there. Yeah, there's a lot of them are. And uh, before we get, because I do, I want to talk about the siege of Mandalore. There we go. The big bang that the Clone Wars just Um, went out on. I do want to set it up just a little bit with a couple of the other essential Clone Wars arcs that feed into the Siege of Mandalore and that resolve the Ahsoka Tano connection. Um, Because Ahsoka Tano is not mentioned at all in Revenge of the Sith, the movie. I noticed not noticing that. Right. (laughs) And so this was unresolved as to why. Why Why does nobody mention her? What happened? Now, the... Ahsoka's exit arc explains that a little bit, but it doesn't go far enough to explain, you know, what happens at the Order of 66, um, you know, what happens to the relationship with, you know, her and Anakin. Um, It doesn't go far enough. And so we were we were blessed with this wonderful gift called the Siege of Mandalore, which is the last arc of all of Clone Wars season seven. But before you guys get to that, there are uh, there are two other arcs that feed into the Siege of Mandalore. Hey, the first one, those, uh, those seasons and episode numbers real quick. Come on, give the okay. people what they want. OK, so the first one that you should consider is the. Darth Maul Returns arc. And um, that one is, you know, as the title suggests, (laughs) it's all of a sudden Darth Maul, who we saw cut in half, Darth Maul is alive. Um, And this is in season four. This is one of the whole new spider body and he's gone total fucking smeagol. He's gone completely mad. Um, He's this is in season four episode. 19, 20, 21, and 22, as you see him cut in half, kicks into two and falls down this kind of, you know, shaft in the Phantom Menace. What you talking about? It is, yeah. (laughs) I'm talking about shit. Shut your mouth. And the Jedi at the end of the Phantom Menace, Mace Windu, is talking to Yoda, and he says that they have investigated, and there's no doubt that the mysterious warrior was a Sith. But... Apparently, that doesn't mean that they recovered the body. Uh, we end up finding that Maul is alive on what ends up being a junk planet. It's a it's a planet that's just a dump. 
And so what I think happened is that he ends up like in this garbage chute, ends up in a crate, ends up being carted off to this planet, and he ends up being dumped where he's still alive. And he pieces together basically spider legs for himself. <laughs> and he survives. You're on the island of unwanted Sith. <laughs> yeah, basically what happens. And well, I was upset that Darth Maul came back. I was really upset that Darth Maul came back because to me, it cheapened Obi-Wan Kenobi's victory in The Phantom Menace. You know, this was to defeat a Sith. It hasn't been done in a thousand generations, right? Like it had been a long time before the Sith were around and Obi-Wan Kenobi killed a Sith became a Jedi because of it. He didn't even have to do the trials or like, you are a Jedi now, you know, you're not a Padawan anymore. And all of a sudden he's alive. And I didn't know, like, I didn't really know how to take it. Like I was like, I was a little, I was conflicted all of a sudden. Obi-Wan was like, of... Oh shit. Are they going to revoke my card? Yeah, I did kind of think that. <laughs> I was like, well, does that mean he's not a Sith? I mean, does that mean he's not a Jedi? And um, but as you again, you 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 just stick to this and you kind of see where it's where it's going. The return of Maul arc, it's really incredible. It shows it starts to plant the seeds as to the abuse that he goes through to be to be a Sith, um, and what hate does to you, uh, what what selfishness and possession does to you, uh, and how it corrupts him completely. Um, it's a really great arc, and one of the best moments in Star Wars has to do with Darth Maul in Star Wars Rebels, a whole other series, when his story is finally resolved where he meets Obi-Wan for what turns out to be the very last time. And or not. No spoilers here. We're not talking rebels today. Yeah. But I just want to kind of point that out because it 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 gives us all like it, it gives you this kind of um it reinforces the trust that I have with the creators of Star Wars and what they kind of have in mind as it goes through, you know, there, there are good hands on this ship, you know, controlling this thing. And, you know, this was a decision that I didn't like at first to bring him back, but man, did they get some incredible stories out of him. And uh, the next series, the next arc also has to do with Darth Maul. And this is the Shadow Conspiracy, which is the setup to what we end up seeing in the Siege of Mandalore. The Shadow Conspiracy is season five. It, it ends up breaking it up a lot. So, And this is the season premiere of season five. And then you don't see anything from them until episode 14 and 16. So you have to jump around to see this full arc. Uh, the Shadow Conspiracy introduces a lot of—it uh, gives us a really good look of life on Mandalore. This also pays off when you're watching the show, The Mandalorian. 
Um, all of this is kind of this is where it's first addressed is in these 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 story arcs that are presented in the Clone Wars. It's really important Star Wars stuff. If you if you like Star Wars, you're not watching Clone Wars. You're not doing it right. And so that leads essentials, us into, kids, essentials, essentials. And finally, that leads us into season seven. Oh, what, what a journey it's be, been. Yeah. And what turns out to be just an incredible incredible arc which is the siege of mandalore jimmy turn on that microphone i would love to know what you thought of the siege of mandalore now jimmy's a star trek guy he's welcomed here but See, I, I don't like that binary idea that you're star trek or star wars jimmy's a batman guy everything i else like it all baby i like it all fun well, look, I mean, it's like you're stuck on a desert island. You know, are you, you know, you could only keep one. Jimmy will keep Star Trek. Am I right or wrong? I will keep Star Trek, yeah. I think but, I'll keep Batman. I mean, that's, that's a I'll whole keep, point. I mean, but I, I mean, I I'm not putting anything in order. I would put, I guess, Batman and comics in general at the top. And then if I, I mean, there's a slight edge of, of Star Trek over Star Wars, but I still like uh, everything, you know, pretty equal. You know, as far as the after Batman, um, but I'm I'm not into. You mean AB? <laughs> I, I'm not AB. I'm not. In, I'm I'm not as into all the aftermarket stuff. I'm more focused, like like my area of knowledge, as far as Star Wars would be mostly the movies and a little bit of the TV shows and stuff like that. Um, but all of this, I, I haven't watched any of the Clone Wars until we until wa- uh, I got my homework assignment and uh, dutifully. Uh, <laughs> inhaled it but yeah I, the ones i saw i liked but it was just uh outs outs I, I and i really do like the movies a lot especially uh uh star wars the original star wars which i think i might be the only one here that has seen that particular offering on the big screen <laughs> yeah um well did you you know did the siege of mandalore do anything to enhance your appreciation for the star wars films or is it just completely separate for you that's it's kind of separate. Like um, for me, I so like uh, and forgive me the names of the of the arcs you were talking about. The one on the island, I, I really didn't enjoy that one because it it seemed like it's it's just overloading prequel stuff, like stuff that's happened and they're just setting it up. And I think there was that one moment where where they he had his he saw himself with his mask on, like Luke did, kind of right. Yeah, uh, Anakin. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, Anakin. So, I mean, so there's moments like that that I thought was cool. But other than that, it's all just kind of prequel stuff, story that we already know the outcome, right? Mm-hmm. But similarly, um, I did enjoy that one where Qui-Gon was telling Yoda to go to Dagobah because, you know, we, I've, you know, kind of always wondered why he went That's there. Look, you've got actually, you remember yeah. that yeah. Yoda was yeah. on Dagobah. This affects your Star Wars. Right. So, yeah. so it's I not don't really creating anything new for you when they right. bring up brand it, it, new mythology to, you know, grout between the established tiles. You don't right, right, feel right. like uh, you got a dog in that fight. It's correct. It's kind of just interwoven to the universe that I know. It's kind of like uh, buttons on a jacket or a hat on a hat almost <laughs> sometimes. Um, but like that, this new stuff, that new season I liked with those, with the four mutant troopers, that, that, that those couple stories were cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like those. And, 
Yeah, where they the stole Bad from Batch. the Dirty Dozen. Right. That's the Bad Batch uh, arc. The Bad Batch, yeah, yeah thanks. <laughs> and I really enjoyed the series finale, those last four episodes that we watched. I thought that was pretty badass. Yeah, that's the Siege of Mandalore. So, yeah. um... That night, Grim, Maki, and Jimmy the Gent talked on and on and on about Star Wars. I have no idea to this day what those three drunk idiots were yammering about. But truth is, I don't want to know. Some things are just better edited out. But you're probably sick of hearing from me. You've probably watched the Clone Wars left and right. Let's hear Ashley Eckstein say things you've never heard her say before, because this is our long-lost interview from almost a year ago, or like we said, it's 2020. It feels like five, six years ago. (laughs) But uh, this is a conversation we had uh, getting ready for the last Comic-Con, and what may end up being the last Comic-Con. More on that in the future. Uh, but Magic Interview Machine, bring us back. Give me the full, uncut version this time of my chat with Ashley Eckstein. Meanwhile. All right. Well, uh, right out of the gate, I want to tell you I'm going to try and hold off on all the nerdy Star Wars questions. Uh, so <laughs> as, as long as I can. Uh, because, first of all, I want to talk. Oh, thank! I I love that you're already a good sport about it. Uh, but but I want to talk uh, her universe and Comic Con coming right up here. Uh, all right, first of all, I'm going to assume everyone listening, you've had a primer in exactly who Ashley Eckstein is, uh, and you probably already know about her fashion line, her universe. Uh, but please, Ashley, tell us what can we gonna what are we gonna expect here at Comic Con 2019. Oh, we're so excited for Comic-Con next week. Uh, You know, Her Universe is back uh, on the show floor, actually. We have two boutiques. I like to call them boutiques. Um, But we have a a boutique at the the Star Wars Pavilion, uh, which we're debuting a whole brand-new Star Wars line. And then we also have another boutique um, on the rest of the floor where we've got Marvel designs, and uh, some new designs that we're debuting at our fashion show. And on Thursday night, we have the Her Universe Fashion Show, which is, you know, the glamour of Fashion Week meets, you know, the fandom of San Diego Comic-Con, and we call it Geek Couture. And, it's you know, these are couture designs inspired by this geek culture that we love. And it's a competition show. Uh, We actually have 24 designers that compete for the chance to, uh, to win the opportunity to design a fashion collection with her universe to be sold at Hot Topic. And um, it's a real educational and professional experience for these designers. And the audience actually gets to choose a winner along with the panel of judges. So it's really, really exciting. So, so how much weight does the audience have? Can we overrule the judges if we don't like what they're saying? <laughs> no, actually, it's, we pick two winners. So the judges get... Uh, to pick their own winner, and the audience gets to pick their own winner. And the reason we do that is, you know, it's in a ballroom with 2,000 people with a giant runway. Um, And, you know, some of these designers uh, work for hundreds of hours on these designs. I mean, the details are just unreal. You know, the hand 
stitching on every single piece is just unreal. But sometimes you don't get to see those small details from, from you know, the audience. And um, so oftentimes the judge's winner and the audience winner is always different. And so we, we want to reward the designers for, you know, spending the extra time on those small details, but then also the designers that just have that wow piece that, you know, the second they walk on the runway, the audience is just like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe what I'm seeing. Yeah, well, sometimes you got to play to the cheap seats that way. I mean, every, you know, every designer has a different aesthetic, too. Sometimes designers that go for that wow piece, and then sometimes designers, and this is truly what couture is all about, every single stitch is perfect. It's hand-done, it's perfect, and, you know, those designers have just as much of a chance to win as the designers that go for the over-the-top piece. All right, so what are what are some I don't know if you can tell us, but can you give us a hint at what is some of these designs we're going to see are these new ones that we can choose from? Absolutely. So, there's a theme this year, and the theme is the power of fashion. And so all of the designs are inspired by powerful characters, powerful stories, powerful themes, or powerful statements. And you can expect a lot of power to hit the runway. Um, and it's all different. We have, you know, typical hero designs that are inspired by well-known heroes. And then we have, you know, off-the-wall designs that you would never expect to see a couture design inspired by, let's say, a horror character. Um, and then, you know, I have four different gown changes and, uh, you know, they're all different and I'm excited. Um, I'll be making a powerful statement with one of my gowns. So, um, lots of, lots of power next week to hit the runway. Oh, all right. Well, well, now, now you got me curious. Uh, you say you've got lots of hero inspired (laughs) designs and then you say off the wall, I, I want to, I want to. I want to say there must be some villain-inspired designs. Yes, definitely expect some villains to be on the runway. All right. So uh, in your experience uh, with her universe so far, what sells better, hero or villain? Oh, both, actually. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, I would say, you know, obviously being a part of the Star Wars universe, um, you know, it's oftentimes equal parts. You have just as many people that love Darth Vader as the people that love, you know, Han Solo, or I personally love R2-D2. I think he's one of the most underrated heroes in Star Wars. He's my hero. Um, so you have just as many people that love the good guys as the bad guys. And, you know, every every character has their own journey and, um, you know, sometimes hero's journey and Darth Vader is one of the most epic journeys of really good overcoming evil. So, um, I would say it's, it's, it's really equal. I mean, you know, going into, um, uh, episode nine this year, I mean, there's just as many people that love Kylo Ren as, as they love Ray. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how that, you know, Episode nine pans out. Oh, and and of course we all are. But uh, it brings an yeah. interesting question, though. It almost sounded like you were trying to diplomatically 
get the uh, most fearsome Sith Lord ever off the hook there for his uh, quote-unquote hero's journey. Now, <laughs> ne- yeah. now begins the onslaught of uh, Star Wars nerdism. Is this uh, is does this have something to do with your involvement in the oh, Star Wars you. universe, which is no small thing, by the way, people. Oh, you're you're very funny. My my comments um, are are purely you know come from a, a fan standpoint and how much I genuinely love Star Wars. So you know, I I love Darth Vader, and even before I became the voice of Ahsoka Tano, I've always loved Darth Vader. To me, Star Wars is a story of good overcoming evil, and you know, watching um, Anakin Skywalker and then into Darth Vader's journey has always been so fascinating to me. And then obviously, it means so much more to me now, being the voice of of Ahsoka, you know, Anakin Skywalker's Padawan, but. You know, I geek out about Star Wars just as much as the, the rest of everyone. I mean, I will say I'm so excited about Episode Nine. Um, we got to uh, to design for it. We got to what? see the characters ahead of time, but I know absolutely nothing about the story. So it's actually quite difficult to design for a story that you don't know anything <laughs> about. So I'm I'm going into the film just as blind as everyone else and just as excited as everyone else. I can't wait to see how the Skywalker saga wraps up. And um, I'm, I'm so excited. Yeah. And, and you are not alone. I think a lot of the world is just going crazy for this, I guess. And we have been for a few generations now, uh, but these new movies are kind of uh, like, like, I mean, the last one, especially there's almost blatantly handing over the torch from the old generation of, of the original trilogy and then the sort of the soft medium of the prequels. But then you are such a major star in the Clone Wars uh, animated Disney, you know, I mean, stuff that kids now today are are uh, is going to be shaping their pop culture understanding for years to come. Uh, do you think it's a story of two different generations of Star Wars? Well, I think the beautiful part about Clone Wars and what Dave Filoni has so brilliantly done and, and his writing staff and his team is it's really, you know, merged the generations. I mean, they've, you know, it's it's taking the story of Anakin Skywalker, but then introducing new characters like Ahsoka Tano and Captain Rex and telling new stories. Um, and the, the incredible thing about Clone Wars, I mean, we launched and debuted to the world back in 2008. So we've actually already spanned a whole generation. Um, it's, it's really, it's, it's taken two, now three generations of Star Wars fans and brought them together. You know, every episode of Clone Wars, you know, started with a fortune cookie, which was, you know, a lesson of the, the episode and, you know, I, I've heard story after story of families that watch the show together. It really is family television um, that the whole family can get enjoyment out of and watch together and learn from. And um, it's, it's really been an absolute incredible thing to watch our show span generations and tell the story of, like, the original generation, but then, then create new stories for the new generation. And um, I think that's what you know, Star Wars is also about to me, and, and it always has been, is, you know, enjoying this together as, as a family. 
That uh, well, I can't argue with that because uh, I mean I was born in 1977, so I grew up any time a new Star Wars movie came out, watching it with my family. You know, I mean, my yep. parents definitely enjoyed the movies. I don't think they like bought you know the craze, or and they probably didn't even realize it was happening even at the time when it was blowing out records, that it would have this kind of lasting impact. And maybe I don't have kids, so maybe that's why I just, I have nothing against the Clone Wars and the uh, all the new animated stuff. I like that it's out there. I like that it all kind of matters to the global mythology of it. But I, I, I almost feel like it doesn't belong to me. And But I think that, like, Episode Nine, I think we're all sharing that as fans. There is still something that every every single generation can absolutely get their hands on. It's something like this. When is Ahsoka Tano going to be in a movie? <laughs> your your guess is as good as mine. Um, you know, I I all I can hope is that uh, we continue to um, learn more about her and tell her story. But that's a that's a question for Dave Filoni. I'm just excited that Ahsoka lives currently. <laughs> <laughs> as far as I know, and um, and I'm excited that you know we get to come back for uh, Clone Wars, the new season on the Disney streaming service. So there's more stories still left to tell that we've been working on, and I'm excited to share those with everyone. But um, and in terms of more than than that, your guess is as good as mine. All right. Well, and that does beg real quickly the question of then with the canon now kind of being reset, the new Clone Wars, I'm assuming is all going to be very vetted. So can you give us a hint of what exactly is going to carry over into the canon now? Or at the very least, where's Ahsoka right now? We saw her fly off. We don't know what happened. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, is Clone Wars is a part of, of canon. You know, George Lucas always worked very closely on Clone Wars from the beginning with Dave Filoni. So all the stories tie in um, of the entire series. So it really is, if you were to go back and watch all the movies, uh, you know, all the movies, if you're going to watch the entire trilogy, it helps to watch Clone Wars in between episodes two and three because there, it, it provides so much backstory of what happens in between those two movies. So um, that, that's all I can really say. Unfortunately, can't give any, any spoilers for the new season, but um, it's definitely good if you're before episode nine, if you're going to go back and get ready for that movie and watch all the movies again, it does help to watch Clone Wars um, because it really is a part of the overall uh, overall story. Okay. Right, thank you, Dan. Uh, we're going to have to wrap up now. So did you have any one last question? Oh, yeah, actually, no, that's pretty good. I was just going to say thank you very much. You, you, you held back any spoilers. I'm very proud of you. Uh, my <laughs> producer is disappointed, but thank you so much, Ashley. I really appreciated that. <laughs> no, thank you. Thank you for your support and your time. There's no need to travel to a galaxy far, far away to get new Star Wars cereal. You can collect both light and dark side boxes of the delicious fruity cereal with Star Wars-shaped marshmallows. Why not get your box before they're gone? All right, everybody. That was Ashley Eckstein. Oh, my God. That was a simpler time there, wasn't it? It it, it really was. Oh, my God. It's just... <laughs> Oh, my God, I'm going to miss Comic-Con this year. Uh, uh. <laughs> it's all right, because I know what, what softens that blow for you is that you know everyone else is going to miss it, too. 
Yeah, we're all in the same boat together. And but man, that was neat. I have never heard that, Dan. And I, I just, had forgotten uh, every word of it. Yeah, it's so sweet. Like she, like uh, it, it was such a, it was such a sweet and soft interview, <laughs> and just wonderful. I, I really liked it. And of course, a lot of what she wouldn't answer, we've we found out. Uh, we've seen the Rise of Skywalker. We've seen the set the seventh season of the Clone Wars. Um, yeah, you know, we know what she was. Fact, I think to. we should hold all of our interviews for about 10, 11 months. <laughs> months, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but man, it you know it really doesn't matter i mean that's that's still the voice of ahsoka tano it comes through very clearly when i'm hearing that that interview and you still get a lot of insight you know like uh i you kind of get what is she like like what is she like in real life well i think we just got a really good sample of that and great job on that interview man that was great well plus that was only not even a year ago so um she had to know something about this clone wars that we're talking about yeah, she had already recorded some of it, I'm right. sure. Right, she would have yeah. had to have yeah. recorded something, so she would kept her mouth zipped on, yep. on all fronts on that. And she was either in the dark or absolutely misleading about being in, uh, I know right. it was just a, yeah. a split second of voice acting. Yeah, uh, as it turns out, Ahsoka Tano is in The Rise of Skywalker. Um, she also she also mentioned that she would love for Ahsoka to be in the movie, I think, like physically be in the movie. And so I think that's the closest that we're ever going to get to uh, Ashley Eckstein being in a Star Wars movie was, was in the, the Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. Because uh, as I we know... I don't think the character's ever going to be in a live action anything. Well, as it turns out... I just don't out, believe it. As it turns out... I don't out, know what you're saying, Marky, but I won't listen. In the Mandalorian season two, Ahsoka Tano is going to be in it. Oh my god! Hashtag not my Ahsoka. Yeah, well, and you Hashtag know, I'm sorry, torn. Rosario, I love you. Uh, yeah, I'm a little torn about it because Ahsoka Tano and I. I actually tweeted out to her. She didn't respond. She's a busy person. The voice performance in the Siege of Mandalore. It was epic performance from her. It was amazing. The emotion that came across. That animated feature, I just, I was, sh I was wrecked when Order 66 happens and when she's, and when she feels Anakin turn, like, and uh, it's just, it's amazing watching that. All of my love for Star Wars after all these years and wondering what happened during Order 66, what happened to Ahsoka. And everything it, they did through that was cinematic. So None cinematic. of that seemed like TV. I know it was just so well done and it's it's not possible without a super fine um at, um voice performance and you and know plus, and he, we're talking about the the finale of 7 seasons of yeah. something that a whole generation grew up watching now and yeah it's it got it's to sit on the back burner long enough for them to kind of mature now they're responsible viewers Man, what that's what a great payoff! Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's it was it's one of it's among the best anything Star Wars ever. <laughs> you know, like it it just it's up to the top. It's up there with any of the movies, any of the scenes, anything is this final season, the Caesar Mandalore, and what we saw, the performance that we got from Ashley Eckstein. It was just incredible. And the character of Ahsoka Tano is one of the things 
that about 90% of the Star Wars fandom loves and appreciates. Like, it's something that almost there's this really kind of fringy wing that's just anti-women anything. <laughs> you know, they're really just jerks about it. Yeah. But, and you'll I mean, find that so everywhere. Yeah, yeah. And, and but ah Ahsoka Tano, it just it it breaks all barriers. It, this is a character that just crosses over. It's so popular. It's so amazing. But most of all, and, I had no idea who that character was, even as I was talking to her. I really didn't. But she is immensely popular. And now, just you, so know, you know, Mark, you happen to straddle both generations now, too. But for the most part, man, Ahsoka Tano, huge with the popular demographic now, but a lot of us older guys have no idea who she is or didn't. Now we're learning. And now you do something like put her in the Mandalorian. It is even bigger. Yeah. And you know, I, I was, I'm a little torn by that, but, uh, there is the the controversy because there was when Rosario Dawson, big, you know, triple a movie star. Yeah. Got the role. Uh, and here's, I'll break down why I think it's a little weird. First of all, I'm camp Ashley. She was willing to talk to me and you could, you could tell in our conversation how she had the hots for me anyway, but (laughs) I'm not going to let that affect my judgment. Nonetheless, (laughs) just having watched so much of Ahsoka Tano, she's not like six, four. She's not, uh, you know, like she's not even human, so I I don't yeah. know why you need a human face to sell it, per se. And also, I am kind of curious how they're going to make her look, because she's one of the only characters that was created entirely digitally, and we've never seen anybody play even that race on screen, to my knowledge. Well, there is a um. Ashley Eckstein did cosplay as Ahsoka Tano. There's plenty of images of her uh, on the internet. I'll put it. I'll, I'll put some of her on the show page and at MaddiePRadio.com. Um, so we have seen what an Ashley Eckstein uh, Ahsoka Tano would look like, and it's it actually. I just. I it does not look like the animated character. I do think. Yeah, that's. I'm curious um, to see how they do. Yeah, I think Rosario Dawson could do it better as far as looking like the animated character. Um, uh, and you know, I'll reserve like, judgment then. Yeah, and you know, like again, it's uh, this is Jimmy. Uh, I know this is burning you up, man. Weigh in. Yeah, weigh in. Think Jimmy. it should be Rosario Dawson or Uhuru. Who plays Ashley Eckstein? Rosario in the Darth Dawson. Maul biopic. I say Rosario Dawson. <laughs> yeah. All right, he, he, you know, he he picked a side. Out of boy, Jimmy. <laughs> well, and side. you know, I did like she is a she's an amazing actress in her own right, obviously. And yeah. I think Ashley was probably a little upset about it, which is understandable. But you know, these guys are. Uh, these guys are artists. This thing, this thing happens. And guess what? Ashley Eckstein owns her universe, which is a mega geek fashion company that is doing very, very well. Yeah, you know, they were designing um, <laughs> outfits based on uh, 
Rise of Skywalker before it even came out. That's some pretty high level access. Yeah. Don't don't cry for Ashley Argentina. <laughs> You're right. In yeah. fact, well, this is yeah. such a petty thing, and none of it's even confirmed. I'm glad we got to indulge in it a little bit. But speaking of stupid, petty little Star Wars things, <laughs> hey, y'all, going. I do remember a few, uh, another arc you made us watch of Clone Wars, starring <laughs> my favorite and yours, Jar Jar Binks. Yes. I admit I'm... it did redeem it a little bit for me. I think maybe our chat, which I'll share with you in just a minute, uh, with Mike uh, at uh, at uh, Jar Talk Like Jar Jar Binks Day dot com. Yes, you got it. I did. It is Talk Like Jar Jar Binks Day dot well, com, which I, is I think it's itself. Uh, you know what? Uh, uh, let me have the interns look that up while we're while we're speaking here. <laughs> okay, the Jar Jar Binks controversy, and this this is probably the big head to head generation divide. Yeah. Because 10 minutes into the first prequel, Hey, who's this weird looking stupid alien said us adults, whereas kids saw something different and I didn't, I still kind of bang the anti Jar Jar drum, but you opened my eyes with that little arc. What, what episodes are those? Uh, Give me a well, season. It's... Give me some numbers. It's the uh, it's the disappeared. I, I know it came out in 2014, so that would have been season four, I think. Uh, but yeah, it was the disappeared, which is a two episode arc. Um, but you know what? We talked all about it with Mike. So that why don't we true. just right, do let's this. bring it to Mike yeah. because yeah, he's like an ambassador of Jar Jar, and he helped melt my my uh, my Grinch heart. <laughs> Or grow <laughs> my Grinch heart, melt my Scrooge heart. I forget what it was, but boy, did he do it. Hey, magic interview machine, let's all talk like a Jar Jar. Meanwhile. So, my name is Mike. Um, I run the uh, International Talk Like Jar Jar Binks Day website. Um, and so, basically, it's a holiday that I created um, about four years ago now and it takes place every year on august 19th which is the actor who um portrayed jar jar binks birthday ahmed best that's his birthday and oh, that's a nice gesture. yes um seemed to make sense to set the holiday on that day uh, and so the, the, the did you like get is, his permission or anything before you did that did you say hey do I you mind not. if we make it your birthday Oh, what what's his reaction? Not. I've I've gotten a few tweets, a few likes from him, but nothing nothing really directly. I don't actually know if he's that aware of the holiday. He's never said happy International Talk Like Georgia Binks Day or anything like that. Um <laughs> so maybe he's trying to ignore it. Uh or maybe it's Well, you know, he's gonna be distracted on that day anyway. Yeah, exactly. A lot going on. I'm sure. Well, he's uh, um, he's also had a lot of um, his relationship with Star Wars has been up and down over the years, to say the least. Um, he's just now, you know, getting comfortable being Jar Jar. You know, with all the the animosity oh, yeah. and, like and more, uh, yeah. yeah. So he's been warming back up to Star Wars, and he's been 
just just recently, he's going to be like on the Star Wars uh, Disney uh, website as like a game show host, right? Yes. So he's yep. yeah. So he's not only has he come back to it, but he's he's starting to kind of fall back in love with that character that he created because it caused him a lot of pain and a lot of hurt back in the you know early two thousands. But he's starting to figure oh, out that God, yeah. Yeah, and that all these kids that watched oh, yeah. those those movies, they all grew up, and now they're starting to shower him with praise and love, which you know a lot of us believe that he's always deserved. So you know, his, his, well, he's, his, he's very much the Phantom Menace's Ewoks, which I hold dear in my heart. But I'm I'm sure my dad sitting next to me in the theater was rolling his eyes. It's a generational yeah. thing. The poor guy did not deserve to be the internet's first meme, yeah. more or less. Uh, I, I feel for the guy. I do. Yeah. yeah that's and that's why I not. think it's a nice gesture, Mike, for you to make it on his birthday. Yeah, I hope so. I, ho- I hope he, again, if he's aware of it, that he takes it as a compliment or how much we respect his work. Because, yeah, like a lot of kids, I'm sure, that grew up with Phantom Menace loved them as a kid. I'm of the generation that loved the Ewoks. Like that was my introduction to Star Wars. Um, like those uh, Ewok movies. That was like the first thing that I watched uh, before I even saw any of the other films. Hey sorry. Mike, can I ask you? Uh, sorry to interrupt. This is uh, Jimmy here. Um, I w- I'd like to know um, why Jar Jar. How how did you pick Jar Jar and get such a good head of steam going? As what what separated him as a Every year I would see these uh, talk like something days, like talk like a pirate day or uh, talk like a farmer day or something something like that. And those are things that never really appealed to me necessarily. Uh, but something I've always liked is Star Wars. Jar Jar kind of jumped out at me. It kind of it kind of just made sense to to use Jar Jar as a character. I was kind of I was kind of looking for a project in my free time. And, uh, this, this made sense. I could, uh, make a website, kind of play around with, uh, different technologies, web technologies. That's kind of how it, it all started. Um, Mm -hmm. and I've kind of over the years really grown to, um, what's the word? Uh, obsess. Uh, no. Yeah, I mean, de- definitely lighter, stronger. Definitely. I mean, because because, uh, and I want to move to this next topic because you you said you have a database of of Gungan words, so it sounds like this hobby became. I mean, unless you just threw that together in six hours, uh, I'm <laughs> guessing you actually did this. Right? Can can you actually speak Gungan? Can you translate like a speech from the president? Maybe a bad example. Can you translate like a segment <laughs> of evening like news Gungan. <laughs> into Gungan? So I, I could I could do a pretty good job just myself, but I do have a translator on my website that will do an even better job. You just you can uh, plug something in. There's a text box, and just hit a button, and it'll spit back. Uh, what the what the Gunganese translation is, um, and yeah, it's that's just kind of one of those things that grew out of um, creating the holiday. Originally, um, you know, I had this idea for the holiday, 
And I figured, oh, okay, well, people are going to to know some some words and phrases that they can use uh, on Talk Like Gerger Day. So I just started putting together like a database of, you know, just just the words from the movies and what they meant. And then that kind of grew to me going through every single movie and every single episode of the Clone Wars and any, anything that Jar Jar had appeared in and uh, taking any word that's not English, putting it into the database, putting, it, putting whatever the translation is. And then I and then I ended up going and finding like some books that were written around the time uh, that the Phantom Menace came out using those as well. So basically, as this has grown, I've tried to find any sort of book, movie, TV, whatever that Jar Jar has appeared in, and and uh, tried to put it in my database. Have so you it, it, come it's across definitely... things that like contradicted, like? Like you had a meaning for one word, and then suddenly you found another source where he's using a different word for it. Yeah, there there are definitely um, some words in the database that have different meanings. Like even, I feel like even even in the same source, they'll like say different words. There there are definitely some instances of that. You might type something into the translator. And it might come back with two different uh, two different translations uh, for the for the same sentence. So, so it, sometimes you've got to go with your kind heart. Of do like, yeah, yeah. It's kind of set up to <laughs> to randomize it if if there are right. two or more. Uh, well, well, I, so, Mike, so, um, I, I want to test this. I want to test this because uh, I'm actually on your site right now, and okay. I want your interpretation. I've already run it through the translator, and I will reveal the results when you're done, but I want to hear okay. you take a stab at this first. Uh, and what the phrase is this. Everybody was kung fu fighting. Those cats were fast as lightning. Uh, how would you gungan that up? <clears throat> All right. Um, every with a B, not every, mm-hmm. every Hissing uh, was Kung Fu. I, I don't think I have a translation for that. Fighting, uh, no G at the end. Doze, D-O-S-E, uh, Lost Cats maybe, were mm-hmm. Speedist. Do I have, is, it, is it Speedist? As it, uh, it 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 is not, but I, I don't want to discourage you. Think, okay. think don't overthink it. <laughs> no, with with, with no G, just like fighting. No uh, very close, yeah. very close. You actually you actually kind of gilded it more than the translator did. This is what the okay. translator said. It said, everybody with the bees, uh, and okay. maybe if I had typed every space body, it would have come back different. But it just made one word, everybody. Was kung fu okay. fighting? Those loft cats, as you said, were fast as lightning. That's good. Okay. <laughs> Nailed it. Well, you That's, got yeah, especially that loft cat. I had no idea. I don't know where you got that, but I I don't remember if it was in the movies, which I feel like I remember pretty well. Uh, it was in the so, most um, definitely. That it, one surprised it, me. There was a loft cat in the Mandalorian, so you guys you actually yep. got to see one in live action. 
And uh, there's a Lothcat at the new Disneyland Star Wars thing as well. It's like in it's like in a cage. So you could see one in person. It's not. It's like a statue, but um, how fast? And then uh, sidebar question mark. How fast was it? It was uh, a faster in as lightning. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, so, Mike, Mike I got a the... question. Is there like is is there like a um, a general rule of thumb like Pig Latin or something like that where you can just add a B if you don't know or or add a Misa or something like that? So what I when, when in doubt is just adding a adding a an S A to the end like a user Misa like that. Also get yeah dropping dropping the G on words that uh end in G or I N G. Um uh-huh. those are those are kind of uh the main rules. You know, some some of them are, are more obvious than others. Um, you know, you have like you have some some really strange words like Hayblitter or Bongo or, or or things like that, um, which you wouldn't necessarily be able to figure out. But a lot of it's pretty similar to English. So there's actually the um, Galactic Guidebook and Phrases, I believe it was called, or something similar to that, that uh, Ben Burt, who had done a lot of the uh, sound design on on the movies, had um, released a few years ago. And there's this whole chapter on um, on Gungan in that book. And a lot of the, the stranger words are in there. So there's like, they actually have, uh, for land speeder, it's a dupe, uh, what, what is it? It's like, uh, dupe, dupe or something like that. Um, and that, that one actually ends up being what I tra- put in for like cars or automobiles, mm-hmm. I think in the, in the database. And Mike, you've compiled this, all yourself, right? Correct. There's no, there's no book of uh, Gunganese anywhere out there. You, you have slowly over the years researched this all by yourself and put it together. Is that, am I right about that? Right. Except for, except for that, that book I was just talking about the, the guide, uh, the guide and uh, guidebook and phrases. Like there, there's a lot of stuff in there. Um, so that, that came, it went into the database, but right, but not a full language. Right. Just everything else is just me going through and the movies and uh, the shows that he's in and uh, whatever books I can find. There, there were a few comics and a few books released when The Phantom Menace came out. And then, unfortunately, mm-hmm. the backlash uh, that the character got uh, pretty much meant, like, that was that was about it. Like, Jar Jar didn't feature in too much expanded universe stuff after that. Um, and then when the Clone Wars came out, we got a bunch of episodes with him there. But as far as like books and stuff like that, there's not too much. It's safe to to say that this is the biggest compilation of known Gungan words and phrases that's available. It's it's all you know everything that's been printed or produced has all been collected for an easy translator under the Talking Like Jar Jar site. So. This is the source. Um, so good work on that, because I know I go to it. I have a lot of fun with it. I, I think it's a great site. I've been sharing tweets with you for years. I just I really like what you're what you're doing. Um, and to kind of build on that, uh, the reason why we asked you here 
there's a new a new season of of Clone Wars that's um, that was released and that's winding down, and that got us thinking of what are our favorite Clone Wars arcs, and probably my favorite. I don't think it's the most important arc, so there's a difference. But probably my favorite arc of all the Clone Wars is this two-episode arc where Jar Jar Binks and Mace Windu, of all of all people, go on this amazing adventure together. And I figured that you have a similar love and appreciation for this for these two episodes, and I just kind of wanted to, you know, to ask you about it. And yeah, um, yes, uh, so. I did. I did watch the Clone Wars uh, when it was when it was first airing, and I, I did see this arc. This was part of the what they called the the Lost Missions, right? After after it got canceled, it came back on Netflix for a number of episodes, and yeah, I, re- I really do enjoy those two episodes. And yeah, the one thing, um, yeah, Ahmed Best. Did do the voices? Did do the voice um, for the first couple seasons, and then he stopped. And I don't think we really knew why uh, at the time. Well, well, there was just I think he said. Uh, I believe that he was in in one of those downs when it came to Star Wars and the fandom, and um, I think he was yep. in and out of it. And he was just he just didn't want anything to do with the character. And, you know, um, he has credited a lot of us fans for kind of bringing him back into the light, you know, like a lot of us supported him. A lot of us missed him. And he came back to voice these two episodes, which, again, were just really, really great. It kind of corrects one of the biggest negatives of the original uh, uh, character is that, you know, he just bungles his way to everything. It's like they actually never give him much credit for being skilled and brave. Um, but in this show, you actually you actually get to see it, that he actually is very, very brave and he's very, very noble and he's actually got yep. some skill. You know, he actually <laughs> he's actually athletic and he can run and he can jump and he can swim and he can do all those things. And he's a formidable ally. And that's what I really liked. And um, Mace Windu kind of he doesn't he tries not to judge him and he tries to bite his tongue through a lot of that episode. But. By the end, I think Mace is a, I think Mace is a Jar Jar fan. You know, that's that's why oh, I really oh, like. Yeah, him. definitely, definitely. There's a he's he says something at the end. I I made a a note of it because I, I did rewatch them recently, and he says, um, yeah, so, somebody talks about how the Jedi defeated the Stone Guardians, and he says, you mean the Jedi and the Gungan? So. <laughs> By by the end of it, he's he's giving him credit, and he he definitely seems to have some respect for him. In in the or he doesn't want anyone episode. thinking the Gungan is a Jedi. I, I no, I'm still yeah. Right. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, I guess I guess. Well, 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 well it's not just blanket Jedi, everybody. But well, no, I, don't know I, if you remember well, I, I, I read it the same way though. Yeah, there's there's definitely yeah. a respect that he earned. And he uh, and and by proxy, I in the audience, I definitely respected the character more. And you definitely do see that there's there's a lot of loyalty for Jar Jar, even though uh, you know he he still ha- is a little cowardly at times. He definitely fights through that to do the right thing. And yeah, he's he's there punching people, and 
you know, he even grabs Mace Windu's uh, lightsaber back with his tongue and he gets that big gun. So he definitely, um, it seems like it's a really nice, uh, if this is, if this is the last we see of Jar Jar, it's kind of a nice send off for him. And that's kind of how I looked at it, uh, when they were airing these, like, you know, we get to see Jar Jar have romance and we get to see him really show how much he's grown since that Phantom Menace where he's very cowardly and doesn't really want to necessarily get involved and uh, go on these adventures with the Jedi. But now he's definitely grown uh, as a character. And I, it, it, yeah, it's a, it's a really episodes. Uh, and, uh, and and his I, story his story may not be over. He's he hasn't we haven't seen his end in the canon though we know, you know by uh, by New Hope no one's even talking about him. But there's still well, we, room for him to have a really noble important you know uh, death, I guess, which well, is there, more there than is, the fans um, wanted for him twenty years ago. There is some closure with that in one of the books, but uh, we don't we don't need to get to that yet. So uh, I want everybody to keep on loving oh, Jar Jar. He's still out there. Well, you look, I mean, it's um, all of the new stuff takes place, um, you know, 60 some years after we, we meet Jar Jar, you know? Um, so, you know, Jar Jar can both exist and not exist. It depends on where you're tuning in. So, there's plenty of Jar Jar stories yet to be told. I think because um, a lot of kids in 1999 grew up loving Jar Jar and now are older and now they have kids and they're getting those kids into Jar Jar. I think we're going to get a lot of Jar Jar content. You know, I think it's coming. I think um, to have a site like talking like Jar Jar out there, this is a living, breathing document almost. So there's going to be more words that we can add to that over time. Um, we haven't seen the last of Jar Jar, and I agree. This last time that we saw him in this in that in that cartoon, it was a great way to kind of have a send off him, um, you know, because that that episode was great. You know, it was even dark. You know, there was some dark stuff. It was like Temple of Doom. You know, like the way that it was. Oh yeah, yeah. There's, there's a lot of parallels. I feel like yeah. the Temple of Doom. Um, yeah, you know, it was good. You see yeah. some some guys getting uh, their essence or life force getting yeah. pulled out of them and them, them dying. Um, and yeah, I don't. I I really hope that we do see more Jar Jar. I just feel like maybe this was George Lucas's uh, way of saying goodbye to the character because yep. this is this is one of the last things he would have been working on before he he sold uh, sold to Disney. Um, but I, I, I definitely hope, I mean, I, I even have some hope that maybe we'll see Jar Jar in this newest season of Clone Wars. I don't, I don't expect any, like these episodes, but mm-hmm. it could, could he be in an episode and just have a couple lines? I don't know. I'm, I'm hoping so. My, my database definitely could use more words. <laughs> a jolt. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm. Well, on, so on I'm, that I'm note, always, let me ask you, Mike. I'm really curious. Are you tempted? I'm not saying you've done it. I'm not saying you ever will. But are you ever tempted to just start adding words? You know, if they sound right. You're you're the only real curator, so 
in theory, it's kind of within. You're right. That you know, Gene Roddenberry didn't invent the Klingon language. It was fans who did. So for the most part, I will. I'll stay away from doing that. Um, you know. So. I'm so hearing like, a lot like of trepidation here, Mike. <laughs> so, so what There's we're, so one like word we're out there. With, so what we were talking about with uh, with lost cat, that's not technically a Gungan word. It's a a Star Wars word. So I felt mm-hmm. like that's kind of okay to go in there. And then like things like, um, you know, Holonet is a word in the Star Wars universe. Not necessarily Gungan, but I figure – you know, I can replace internet with Holonet. Things that are in the in the Star Wars universe, sometimes I will put in there. Um, I so don't, you're using some galactic basic idioms. That's that's fine. Yeah, yeah, it also exactly. kind of seems like you're padding it there. But you know, uh, are, don't you don't you think? Close your eyes. Picture it with with Jar Jar or any Gungan for that matter, sitting in the cockpit of a of a starfighter about to go to warp speed. Say, hit him, warp him speed. Oh, he's not going Gungam yeah, style. I, <laughs> I, uh, that, I feel like that's outside of my uh, I've been sitting on my rights up. to do for for now. Okay, um, all right. So, so one thing I have done is one of the authors who wrote a bunch of the um, the books. These they were uh, called, I believe, Star Wars Adventures. Yeah, Star Wars Episode One Adventures. And there were like four of them, which were very centered on Gungans and Jar Jar, and it kind of focused on Jar Jar before the events of the Phantom Menace. So those books, they have a lot of a lot of words that I was able to put in my database. Um, and the author, writer uh, writer Wyndham, who's written a lot of other Star Wars books, Star Wars nonfiction and fiction. Um, so I actually reached out to him a couple of years ago. Um, because I had heard that he had put together a list of, of Gungan words and he was basically like, well, yeah, I don't, I don't have access to that anymore. And what you put together is probably more than I actually had at the point. But occasionally I will reach out to him and be like, do you have any ideas on what this word might be? So while that's not me making up words and they don't necessarily exist anywhere in the canon, I, I feel like that's that's kind of okay because he probably has written the most Gungan outside of you know, George Lucas. Uh, Mike, have you ever had any contact with uh, Disney or Lucasfilm or anything like that? Any C and Ds, or have you reached out to them at all, or had any interaction with them? Not really. I mean, on on Twitter, I'll send send tweets to some of the people that work at Lucasfilm from time to time. Um, like Matt Martin, he's um, he's in the story group. Occasionally, I'll send things to him, uh, and and he'll respond. But not, nothing really, uh, nothing nothing like personal or anything. Uh, but for the most part, it seems like Lucasfilm doesn't necessarily uh, acknowledge the holiday at this point. It would be it'd be nice if just just to see on StarWars.com or on some of their social media channels on August 19th, some, some year, just it's international talk about Jar Jar Binks day. But, uh, but yeah, nothing, nothing really official. 
I well, think it's four years again, in. Give it time. It. Give it time. Yeah, yeah. You can count on uh, Saturday morning cereal to uh, get the word out. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, that's right. Hey, the first Christmas had like six people there. <laughs> <laughs> I think we had that's true. <laughs> So, yeah, so listen, like just, just keep going, keep going strong. And like. one of them is really little. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't even remember it. <laughs> that's true, and it's it's definitely something that seems to it's it's grown since the first one at least, and we have uh, people participating every year. Um, so there, there you go. That's sure. uh, that that that's that. If nothing else, everybody, that's your takeaway. We can. Yep. We as a society can now start to love Jar Jar Binks. Yeah, exactly. That's all. That's all that I wanted. Yeah. Hey, 20, Twenty years little, of pitching uh, is enough. Mm-hmm. Can I drop a little Jar Jar trivia on you? Maybe you guys know or don't know, but uh, I'm proud that I know it. Is uh, Ahmad Best was responsible for um, Yoda being the little flippy guy when he got in a fight with his lightsaber. He choreographed that fight scene. He was uh, pretty involved in choreographing that whole fight scene. No, really? I did not know that. So I'm going to say I did know that, but I think I have an unfair advantage at this point. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's confirmation to me. Print it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's one scoop, guys. What do you got? What do you fellas have? Uh, no, no, no. All happy. right, all right. So we've got uh, we've got now. I, I can tell you actually uh, right now that we have 146 days, seven hours, 14, 50 some odd seconds left until this next talk like Jar Jar Binks day. Uh, I hereby make a pledge that I will talk like Jar Jar Binks. Anybody else <laughs> want to follow that's, me? Or are you too pussy? <laughs> I hereby will also talk like Jar Jar on Jar Jar Day. Good, good, and then in that case, and I definitely, uh, I definitely will be. Whether or not, first, I'd expect no less. We've got one holdout. Sorry about that, Mike. Next time, hopefully, you can win the whole room. But in, in the meantime, uh, let, let me just say, smiling, speaking like Jar Jar Binkson Day. <laughs> I think smiling, he was a lot of uh, speaking like, like in Jar Jar Binks Day to you as well. One free and specially marked boxes. You can collect all eight, only for a limited time. The ambassador of Jar Jar, Mike. And wasn't that great? Wasn't that fun? That was. That was, I mean, he just, and he's an example of, it's another Star Wars story in, like, the real world. Yeah, it's 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 what us, it's what us manic fans do, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and it's just, it's so beautiful. I've been, you know... I exchange tweets with him all the time, and I love what he's doing. I, I, I love his enthusiasm for Star Wars. And I, I'm a big Jar Jar Binks fan. And yeah. one of these days, we're going to get Ahmad Best onto the show. That has yet to be seen. I do have a quick correction. Best only started in 2014 to voice Jar Jar Binks. And The Clone War started in 2009. And before Ahmad Best came back into the Star Wars fold, it was he was voiced by B.J. Hughes. His first voice work for Jar Jar Binks was, in fact, The Disappeared, which was this particular arc. So it took him a long time. I mean, I hope we, that finally puts that to rest. 
Absolutely. But I just thought it needed some correcting because uh, we try to get things right uh, or not at all. How about that? Jimmy, you there? Damn. That's wild, man. (laughs) They don't call him the best color man in the business for nothing, folks. (laughs) (laughs) That's got to be five, six episodes in a row with that joke. It is like Jimmy's just not taking the hint. Uh, (laughs) But anyway, this has been a long, strange trip through Star Wars on this uh, May the 4th, let's say it, May the 4th week, close enough to May the 4th be with you. Uh, I want to thank you all for, for, well, for making it to this point, because if you have, you're probably thinking the same thing we are. Uh, that's about enough of this. 